Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Jesus Stories number 31. This is the third installment of Wandering Toward Home. Although in today's episode, Jesus is a little more stationary as he teaches the crowds around him. So we're going to hear lots of teaching from the master teacher today. Much of it will be in the form of parables, stories, if you will, and all of it is challenging to his listeners, both for us today and those who heard his teaching then. We'll get started in just a moment. I must remind you that these Jesus stories come to you because of your support, both financially and verbally, and we appreciate that support. So, have you joined those who support us? The best way to start is to go to the website, jesusstories.info. That's jesusstories.info. First, click on the Support This Podcast tab. There you'll find a way to make financial donations, both one-time as well as ongoing commitments to us. Secondly, click on the Sharing This Podcast tab. There you're going to find a great method for sharing this podcast in real life. All through the website, you'll find links to our social media pages. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. There you can keep up with our current episodes, as well as share that info with your friends and your contacts. Of course, you can always contact us by email. The email address is on the website or by direct message DM. We look forward to hearing from you. Going to the webpage is the key to finding all this information, as well as other ways to listen and subscribe to us. Just go to JesusStories.info. That's JesusStories.info. Jesus had been traveling, walking, remember, through the towns and villages as he made his way to Jerusalem. We really don't know where he is at this point in the narrative. It's not really important. What is important is the day of the week. It's a Sabbath day. And Jesus, as an observant Jew, would have visited the synagogue wherever he was on that day. And like many who go to a church service, they might invite a visitor to lunch. So Jesus is invited to the home of a prominent Pharisee after the synagogue service. There's a man there who suffered from swollen joints. Now, some translations call this disease dropsy. Either way, Jesus couldn't miss the man. He was standing right in front of him. So Jesus asks, does the law allow for someone to be healed on the Sabbath? No one answers him. So Jesus reaches out, touches the man, healing him, and then sends him on his way. 
Then Jesus turns to the rest of the party. Which of you doesn't work on the Sabbath, he asks? If your son or your cow falls into a pit, don't you rush to get him out? And again, nobody would answer him. Looking around at the guests, he noticed how they would jockey for a prize seat at the table. So he uses this opportunity to tell a parable. When you're invited to a wedding feast, he says, don't take the place of honor. If you do, you're going to be embarrassed when you're told you must move to make room for someone who's more important. Sit in the back and await an invitation to move up to a more advantageous space. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, he says, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Then he turns to his host. When you invite people to eat with you, don't invite those who can invite you back in return. Your only reward will be that return invitation. Instead, he says, invite the poor, the cripple, the lame, and the blind. Why? Then at the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. Remember, at this time, someone who was poor, crippled, lame, and blind was probably the beggar you passed on the street. They literally have nothing. They had no way to pay anyone back for their generosity. They barely had food to eat. Someone sitting at this table heard Jesus teaching and calls out, What a blessing it will be to attend a banquet at the kingdom of God. <laughs> this prompts Jesus to tell another story. A man prepared a great meal, he says, and went, so he sent out many invitations for people to come and eat with him. And per the custom of the time, the invitations go out for a particular date, but not with a time. The time will come to them in a later message. When the meal was ready, a servant went out with the message of the time. But the recipients of the invitations started making excuses. I just bought a field. I have to go check it out. I just bought five pairs of oxen, and I need to go check them out. I just got married. I can't come. Just excuses. The servant returns with the news for his master. The master was furious. So he sends his servant out again and invites the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind from off the streets to enjoy his hospitality. That was done, but there was still room for more. So the master said, go on out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. No one from the first guest list will even get a taste of a morsel of my food. Jesus is back on the road again. Large crowds are following him, and he turns to them with these words. If you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. Your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Now, these are some tough words. Let's talk about them for a moment. Let's start by defining a term. Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple. What's a disciple? Very simply, in this time, in the first century, a disciple was someone who wanted to learn from someone else. 
So they would become that person's shadow, if you will, following them to learn what they knew. Now, in today's world, we would call that person an apprentice, but that's really probably too gentle a word. An apprentice learns. A disciple not only learns, but he will attach himself to someone to become like the person he or she is learning from. So if you want to be a disciple of Jesus, he says you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. And then he lists close family members, father, mother, sister, brother, even your own life. And what he's saying is that you must love Jesus so much that it will eclipse the love you have for your family and even for your own life. Nothing is more important than following Jesus. In fact, he says, you must carry your own cross. Now, those words seem a little strange to us. In the first century world of Rome, the cross was a method for executing criminals. One was literally nailed to this cross in such a way that they would eventually die. Sometimes the one to be executed was the one who carried the cross to the site of the execution. So not only must you not love your life more than Jesus— you must be willing to die in following him. Jesus realizes that this is a huge ask for his followers. So he follows this up with some wise advice. Don't begin, he says, until you count the cost. You have to be sure, he says, that this is what you really want to do. And then he gives two examples. It's like someone who decides to construct a building. That person would calculate the cost of the building and see if there's enough money available to build it. If you can't complete the building because you run out of money, people are going to laugh at you. Or before a king goes to war against another king, he would sit down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the other army of 20,000. If not, he sends out a delegation to negotiate before the battle even begins. So, Jesus says, you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. Strong words. Jesus closes with this statement. Salt is good for seasoning. But if it loses its flavor, how do you make it salty again? Flavorless salt is good neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown away. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Jesus has told us before that his followers are the salt of the earth. At that time, not in today's world so much, but at that time, salt was different. It could lose its flavor and its preservative characteristics, and when that happens, it's no longer good for anything. This is similar to someone who may decide to follow Jesus without counting what it will cost to be his disciple. They might start out salty, and when they discover the cost for following the master, they lose their saltiness. Jesus wants us to be aware of the real cost for being his disciple. That cost is everything. People of all kinds gathered around Jesus to hear him teach. This included tax collectors, people who were hired to collect taxes for the Roman government and considered traitors to their own people, by the way. And it included others who were considered to be sinners by the religious powers that be. Those powers included the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law who complained when Jesus would even associate with such people. 
he would even eat with them. And in that day, who you were willing to eat with indicated an acceptance of that person. So what does Jesus do? He tells a story. Actually, he tells three stories, all interrelated. The first is a story about sheep. He says, suppose you have a herd of 100 sheep. Suppose that one of those sheep is lost. Wouldn't you go out and find that lost sheep? And when you found it, you'd carry it home, call all your friends and neighbors, and invite them to rejoice over the one found sheep. In the same way, Jesus says, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Jesus doesn't stop there. The next story involves a lost coin. Suppose a woman has 10 silver coins. She loses one of those coins. Now, that loss is the equivalent of losing a day's wages. So, in her search for the coin, she conducts a major house cleaning. And when she finds that coin, she calls her friends and neighbors to invite them to rejoice with her over finding that coin. In the same way, she says, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. Then, Jesus tells the most famous of the three stories. A man has two sons. The younger of the sons demands his inheritance before his father dies. And even though this is a disrespectful request, the father grants his wish. The son takes all of his inheritance and he leaves home. He goes to a distant country and he spends all his money in living wildly. As his money runs out, a famine comes to the country. He's starving. So he persuades a farmer to hire him. And his job? He feeds the pigs. Now, this is no job for a good Jewish boy. Pigs are considered an unclean animal. But he's hungry. And even the food given to the pigs looks good to him. But he doesn't even get to eat that. Coming to his senses, he thinks, you know, back at home, the slaves have food to eat, and here I am, starving to death. I know what I'll do. I'll go back home and say to my father, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against heaven. I'm not worthy to be your son. So won't you take me in as a slave? So the young man goes back home. Now, the father, daddy, has been looking for the son to return. While he was still a long way away, his father sees him, and he runs to greet him in love and compassion. A dignified Jewish man would never run to anyone, but this daddy does, and he embraces his son and kisses him. The son starts into his speech, Father, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against heaven. I'm not worthy to be your son anymore. The father stops him, commands his servants, go get the best clothes in the house, get a ring for my son's finger and shoes for his feet and kill a fatted calf. We are going to have a party. My son is dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. The younger son's brother, the older brother, was out in the fields at work. He comes home and he hears the music and sees the dancing. So he asks a slave, what's going on? Your brother's come home. Your dad's throwing a party for him because he's back safe and sound. 
The older brother gets mad and refuses to go into the party. Dad comes out to him, begging him to come into the party. The irate son refuses. I've slaved for you all these years. I've done what you've asked for me. You've never even given me the chance to throw a small party for my friends. Yet when my brother comes back after squandering your money on who knows what, you throw him a party? Dad looks at his oldest. Look, dear son, you've always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. Did you hear what all three of these stories have in common? Someone, something, a sheep, a coin, a son, is lost. But then that something or someone is found. Each finding triggers a party, both here on earth and in heaven. And in Jesus' associations with people considered as sinners, he is searching for the lost person in hopes of throwing a party in heaven. Now, Jesus is not done teaching, but I think we've heard enough for today. We're done listening, aren't we? Next time, Jesus will continue with some more stories, and I'll tell you more about those in just a moment. These Jesus stories are supported by you, the listeners to this podcast. If you've benefited from these stories, I invite you to pray about and consider supporting this podcast, either with a one-time donation or an ongoing donation. Just visit the website, jesusstories.info. Click on the Support This Podcast tab in the menu. You'll find out how to support us both with single donations or continuous commitments. Did you know we're on Patreon as well? It's a great place to check out this podcast and the stuff that's going to be coming soon for those who support us in an ongoing manner. Donations can be set up for as little as $3 a month. So think about it, pray about it, won't you? All of these Jesus stories are available to you on your favorite podcast player. However, people find out about us because you write a review and rate us. So would you tell others about us? By the way, I've got a special way for you to share this podcast in real life. You check out the webpage, jesusstories.info, and click on the Share This Podcast tab in the menu. And of course, you'll also find the links there for sharing on social media. So how are these stories touching your life? Would you share your story with me? Your sharing will be confidential, plus it offers me a specific way to pray for you, my listener. Just send me a DM or an email. You'll find everything as far as how to contact me on the webpage, jesusstories.info. That's jesusstories.info. So what about next time? Well, we'll hear a parable about a shrewd but dishonest manager bringing up a question about loyalties. This will bring down the ire of the Pharisees on Jesus, and we'll also hear a famous story of a beggar and a rich man and their ultimate fates. And we'll hear some warnings from Jesus for his disciples. That and more will be part of the next Jesus Stories episode. I invite you to join me then, won't you? Story of spread.
Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For ninety dollars more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For hundred and thirty more, you'll be a Swole member, and for just three hundred dollars more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just one dollar down and ten dollars a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May tenth. See Home Club for details.